0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hello to all of my Autism Breakthrough friends. Today is day 14 of our 21-day challenge. We will be discussing all things adults with autism. Today, today's topic is communication. Um, in the morning email, I wrote, communicate with me and I I started to put communicate with me already. Um, so we have a very special guest today. Um, day two with Kelly Howe. She is an occupational therapist, uh, in Knoxville, one of the OT unicorns, I would say in East Tennessee because of a special practice that she does, um, that she's going to share with us, um, on today. We are doing this 21 day walk and talk challenge in conjunction with our virtual 5K. Um, We had to do things a little bit differently this year due to the pandemic. So we wanted to give an extra, a little bonus um, to walking and talking and running for your health Um, and exercises and motor activity is something that um, fits into what we're gonna talk about a little bit today. So it's very fitting. Um if you are like me I'm out for a walk today um on this crisp November fall morning um and it's beautiful and it's it's a great joy I'm looking forward to the call today um if you are interested in signing up for our 5k you can go to www.runsignup.com and type in autism breakthrough in the search engine and it will take you right to our race um we have an awesome t-shirt that you'll get when you register um for this there so kelly how are you this morning good morning
1: i'm doing great how are you
0: doing good doing good i'm out for a walk in uh the park near our office um and just enjoying being outside
1: that's fantastic fantastic
0: yeah, this walk and talk has been a great excuse to start my day outside of the office.
1: <laughs> absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I love it. Well, um, welcome again. Welcome back. Um, and for those people who may have missed our call and our talk yesterday, can you
1: tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, I am, as you mentioned, an occupational therapist here in Knoxville. I'm also a spelling to communicate practitioner, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more about today. Um, And I'm the owner of Adroit Therapy Services here in Knoxville.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And what does Adroit mean? What's the significance of of that
1: name? Adroit uh, means being skillful with your hands or with your mind. Um, And when I was thinking about what I wanted in a therapy practice, I really want to help autistic individuals demonstrate how skillful their minds are by helping them become more skillful with their hands and with their bodies. Um, And so it sort of was the perfect word for, for what I wanted my practice to be and kind of the combination of those skills with your motor skills and your cognition working together.
0: Wow. That's so salient. It's like message and people don't even, you know, it's not a typical word that's usually in, you know, one's vocabulary. Um, So that's, that's so meaningful when we say the joint therapy services.com, you know, it, it, it has so much meaning to it. And I I love that you chose that, that name for your practice. That's so cool.
1: (laughs) Thanks. I was hoping to find a word like that where people might have to ask a couple of questions before we, before we really understand what's going on. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it was like, okay, so I'm here and I guess this is what we're doing. Um yeah, so yeah that's that's very important for people um to know and to, to look up and, and spend that time um and, and focus on that. Very cool. So communication, adults with autism, um what we see a lot of time with people who are neurodiverse. Um, is that they don't communicate in a typical way. They don't relate to neurotypicals in the same way that we would relate to each other. Um, so what are some of the things that are common um, that you see when it comes to uh, communication with people with autism?
1: I, When I think about especially adults, but um, individuals kind of across the age range, I see them in some distinct category. So one would be what I would call fluent speakers. Those are going to be your individuals who use their speech to fully communicate anything and everything that they need or want or think or believe. So you and I are fluent speakers. Um, That's our primary method of communication. Um, You also have non-speakers. So individuals who don't have speech at all. Um, And that in the autistic community um, is often labeled as severe autism or quote, unquote, low functioning autism. Um, And then you kind of have this area in between, which might be minimal, um, people who have minimal speech. So they have a few words, but those aren't aren't helping them communicate necessarily in everyday life. And then unreliable speakers who might script and say every word from a cartoon or say the same sentence over and over again. Um, People who, when you ask a yes or no question are always going to give you yes or always going to give you no Um, people who, when you offer a, two-part question, do you want this or that? Might always select the first choice or always select the second choice. Um, I like to think of those guys as unreliable speakers. And so there's sort of just this continuum of level of access to speech and how then do we use that access to our speech to be able to communicate. Um, The hard part, I think, uh, that is associated with that is that we often view fluent speakers as our most cognitively capable. And in my practice, what I have found is that across that continuum of uh, speech abilities, their individuals are very cognitively capable. What we're limited in is our ability to demonstrate that cognition through speech. So my non-speaking clients are certainly not any less cognitively capable than me as a fluent speaker. It's just the level of ability to be able to demonstrate that cognition.
0: Gotcha. And when we think about, quote, unquote, um, lower functioning or lower on the spectrum, that's really not the case a lot of times. Mm-hmm. That's that's a common misnomer, yeah?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think we often think in terms of or um, are told to think in terms of high functioning versus low functioning when... In my practice, what I see is that low functioning just means we have more motor challenge. Um, you might say you've ordered more off the motor menu, right? Whereas yes. the, um, somebody who I refer to as high functioning has more motor ability, has more neurotypical characteristics, and so we think of them as higher functioning, when in reality, our low, quote unquote, low functioning. Um, individuals really just have more of a motor challenge to work through to be able to demonstrate how capable they are. Right. So
0: speaking and converting um, thought, cognition to speech, um, yesterday we talked about how those, the language centers and the motor centers are in different areas of the brain, right? And so if there's a, a disconnect there, we have to find some way to bridge Um, what we're thinking or what adults with autism are thinking with how to uh, relay that message or have their bodies express um, what their intentions are. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Absolutely. Um, So what you're talking about is exactly how I refer to it, the brain-body disconnect. Um, Mm -hmm. And for a long time, we weren't aware as neurotypical individuals that this existed, this disconnect between the brain and the body. Um, and now that we're hearing from some non-speaking autistic individuals who have found a way to communicate, they very often talk about this disconnect where my brain wants to do X and my body just won't follow through. And. Um, I've heard people kind of relate that brain-body disconnect to a phone call, right? And so my brain is the one who is talking into the phone. It's communicating that message very clearly, but my body is um, – in a tunnel in the mountains. And so it's only getting bits and pieces of the message and the message isn't coming all the way through. Even though my brain is clearly articulating it, my body isn't receiving the full message. Um, And so it's not able to follow through on it the way that it would if it had a clear connection. Um, And so that disconnect means that we have these deficits in being able to follow through on what the brain really wants And so my job as a practitioner is to help strengthen that connection um, and build the motor skills necessary that when the brain can connect to the body, the body can follow through as it needs to.
0: I like that. So spelling to communicate um, falls in that framework um, because you are using letters and motor skills like pointing and you know, picking up letters and things like that in order to have that integration
1: happen, right? Yes. So spelling to communicate um, is just a methodology of, of working on those motor skills to be able to access everything that, that my clients know. Um, my goal in spelling to communicate is to teach a reliable motor skill um, over time so that the body has a way to express the brain knows. Um, If we don't have a reliable motor skill, we can't can't know what is happening in the brain. Every way that we demonstrate our knowledge or demonstrate our understanding is through a motor skill. And so we have to have a reliable motor skill to be able to know what's happening. And that's my job is to teach that reliable motor skill. Um, In Spelling to Communicate, what I use is just a low-tech AAC device. It's just a board with letters on it. Um, And I teach clients to use their arm to poke the appropriate letters Um, and that develops that reliable motor skill over time. Um, In the beginning, I am coaching that, I'm coaching the body, helping it get where it needs to be, helping connect the brain and body and help the body receive the brain's message even though they're disconnected and as that connection strengthens and we gain more and more reliable motor skill then I can really dive into okay what is it that you know what do you think about this what do you um what are your opinions about another situation um I can work through all of those things but first we have to have that reliable motor skill and that's what I that's what I teach that's awesome that is so cool and so the um, Spelling to Communicate
0: is a practice from the International Association of Spelling to Communicate, um, and that, that program um, is centered around access, to agency, and autonomy. Um, so what does communication and being able to communicate um, do for people and adults especially um, with autism, and what are some of the success stories that you've seen?
1: I, I love that question because I think a lot of individuals and for a lot of families, the goal has always been to work toward independence. Um, and for some of our individuals, that is an appropriate goal. And for some of our individuals, it's a little bit frustrating because we feel like independence is a pipe dream. Um, what communication offers is even if we don't get to independence, we have autonomy um, we have the ability to direct our care. We have the ability to say, okay, these are the skills I really want to work on. These are the ones that are really important to me. And these are the skills that I'm okay to have someone help me with. Um, and to, in all fairness, I do that at my house, right? I am very independent (laughs) on my husband. Um, there are things that I, I have decided, okay, those are things I'm not going to spend my time and effort on because he's good at them. And so I'm going to let him do those things. I'm going to take over other areas. But we have to maintain communication for that to be a possibility. Um, And it's the same. I think about the adults, um, especially that live in the breakthrough community, being able to direct their own care would change. So much for them to be able to say these are the things that are really important in my house, and these are the things that I need your help with, um, versus thinking about trying to be fully independent in those situations. Um, and so that autonomy is just so important. Um, some of the some of the great success stories as far as. As that autonomy is concerned. Um, I think about one of my clients who has had trouble um, with toileting for years, and his family has worked and worked to try to, to try to solve those issues. And now that he has communication, he can say, um, when I'm uncomfortable and need to have a bowel movement, I climb. I'm trying to stretch my body out. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do those things. So when you see me doing that, I need you to help me get my body to the bathroom. And those are wow. behaviors that they would have never connected on their own because neurotypically we don't associate, uh, don't associate those things together. But yeah. once he had the communication to tell them, they were able to help him and they were able to solve some of those issues that have been issues for years that, um, that communication and that autonomy to be able to talk about your own situation um, can help so much with
0: yeah that that is amazing and that's a wonderful example of how um you know people on the spectrum are trying to communicate um, their Their methods are not ones that we may recognize or you know as primary mm. primarily speakers, you know we're like, words matter. use your words. and I've heard right. people say Absolutely. that all the time, <laughs> and right. you know some things can be done without words. Um, and mm-hmm. sometimes bridging the connection between action and having a thing v- or a, a vehicle to um, communicate with words and spelling um, is so yeah. important.
1: Well, and I, have, I think okay. there's sort of two avenues with what you just said. And, and you're right. Like, these individuals are absolutely trying to communicate. Um, but for some of them, they've tried and tried. And that communication... Is difficult, And even when they try and try to communicate through action, as neurotypical people, we don't interpret that the way that they are intending it. And so they've developed these coping mechanisms, right, that right. don't necessarily right. make sense to us as neurotypical individuals, like the climbing, he's working on stretching his body out so that he can, he can work through that discomfort. Yeah, release that pressure. Oh my gosh, you're not (laughs) being safe, right? Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I'm down, and so he has developed this coping mechanism to try to help himself, and we interpret it in a completely different in a completely different way, and that's where that communication makes such a difference. Um, And like you said, we have for a very long time focused on okay, we need you to use your words, we need you to tell us, Um, but using your words is a very complex motor ability. If you think about all the muscles that have to work together to be able to form the sounds that create the words, not only do you have to form the sounds, but you have to make the tiny movements of those muscles in the correct order just to get to two or three different words. I mean, if you think about words that are made up of the same letters, but we just have to say the sounds in a different order to be able to communicate completely different word. Um, and so when we think about the, the motor ability that it takes to move those muscles so accurately, it's huge. Um, and that's another avenue that I sort of address in spelling to communicate. When I, I think of motor skills as a motor pyramid. Okay. The foundation of that pyramid would be gross motor skills. Um, and so there are things, especially as an infant, right? You think about the first things you do is you're starting to crawl. You're using those big muscles of your body to make, to make big movements. Um, Mm -hmm. and over time, those things integrate. And so that foundation is built. And then sort of in the middle section, we've got fine motor skills. So you're using your hands to pick things up, to move things. Um, and that is, that comes as we've got built that foundation of our gross motor skills. As infants, after we've started to pull up, now we're using our digits to really like pick things up and use that grasp pattern. Um, mm-hmm. And then after we have integrated those fine motor skills to get to the tip top of that pyramid, which I would refer to as super fine motor skills. And those are things like our articulators, the muscles of our mouth, our tongue, um, and our digits. And so okay. things like writing, typing, are those super super fine motor skills up at the top and even in typical development those come later after we've built those other foundations um, and so in spelling to communicate i want to teach you a reliable motor skill but i want it to be the easiest possible motor skill gross, I motor. Want you to poke to, gross motor i want yeah. you to use your arm to poke these letters because you, you are using big muscles in big movements You're just doing a stretch out and a bend your elbow back rather than getting into the very intricate movements that you would need to write or speak or circle something or any of those sorts of things. I want to make that motor skill as easy as possible. um, And we can build from there because if I can give you a reliable gross motor skill, then ultimately you can still demonstrate your ultimate level of cognition without having to work through Getting the fine and super fine motor skills before we're able to access it.
0: That's awesome, and you know, I just want everybody to recognize that it's okay to go back to gross motor skills. We try, yes. you know, when people are children, like okay, they have to be here because everyone else at this age is doing X, um, but every it's different for everybody. Um, And I always tell people, um, and they may not want to hear me saying this, but sometimes, you know, you have to say, well, in 10 years, everybody will be around the same level anyways. Um, And for some people, that's possible. For some people, it's not. But when you think about developmental milestones and um, working towards something, if you're working at it, you're going to get better at it. You can't give up. You can't stop. Um, And you may have to take a different approach, but that's okay. And it's never too late to start. I mean, if you're 25 or if you're 55, um, and if you haven't tried this process before, um, it's a great opportunity now to try and do that. Spelling to communicate is low tech, um, but eventually lends itself to higher technologies and um, more complex ways of communicating.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think about it exactly like you just said. Um, When we think about growing back to going back to gross motor, it's difficult to get to the top of that pyramid and work on those higher level skills if we don't have that firm foundation. Um, And it would be the same with any of us. I mean, in learning a new, in learning a new skill, we have to focus on that beginning piece first. If we're trying to build on something and we're not totally sure about that first piece, then we're never gonna get where we wanna go. And so be, going back and working on those gross motor skills and developing things like motor planning, coordination, um, and working those in with physical skills like strength, endurance, um, And those pieces working together is going to build that strong foundation so that we can get to the higher level skills of fine motor and even some of that super fine motor skill.
0: Awesome. Another question that I have uh, when thinking about different therapies and treatments and um, interventions or what have you, um, do you typically see or, or is it better to do one thing at a time or everything all at once like I like to do?
1: <laughs> I think it depends. I think it totally depends on what you're putting together. Um, okay. I think that as long as I work with a lot of therapists in other arenas for the clients that I work with, um, I do this and then I have worked side by side with ABA therapists, with other PTOT speech therapists. Um, and as long as we can work together and are working towards the same goal, then I think it works beautifully it's when um, I have one idea and I'm working toward one thing and someone else is sort of working on a competing goal where we can give the brain space to one or the other that things get a little bit tricky um, it gets hard to start to balance all of those things the same way that it would for me or you but yes I think that if you can have communication between those things and have a very solid idea of where you want to go, then working on multiple um, therapies and multiple avenues at the same time can be very effective.
0: Cool. Very neat. Very neat. Well, how do people get in touch
1: with you? What are some ways to um, connect? The best way to connect with me is just to go um, to my website, Adroit, A-D-R-O-I-T, therapieservices.com. Um, and there's more info about everything we've talked about, as well as um, all my contact information. So you can find it all there in one place.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else that we have to make sure that people know, that advocates know, that parents and adults with autism know that we may have forgotten? Sure.
1: The one thing that I would say before we finish up today is just to reiterate that non-speaking doesn't equal non-thinking. Just because your child isn't speaking or isn't using speech as their primary method of communication doesn't necessarily mean that they're cognitively impaired or cognitively delayed. Um, So I would just encourage you to really reach out and seek um, some support in figuring out what is motor related and what is cognitive related so that you can have a firmer idea of, of what those levels truly are um, so that we don't interpret that motor deficit as cognition.
0: Awesome. A whole word, as they say, non-speaking does not mean non-thinking. I love that. Um definitely um especially important to remember that um you know anytime when you're dealing with anyone who um uh, presents differently than you do, so I love that Absolutely. neurodiversity especially okay, well, cool. I just want to say thank you once again, Kelly. I always learn so much, um and I hope that you know with talking with you, um we can connect more people. Um, to some of the wonderful things that you're doing in and around Knoxville in East Tennessee. Um, to all of our listeners today, yeah, thank you, thank you. To all of our listeners today, um, I just want to remind you that we are doing this walk and talk challenge. I'm just, I'm winded. Oh, my God. Oh, let me catch my breath. I walked up a hill because they're cutting grass. Uh, uh, we are doing this in conjunction with our 5K uh, our virtual 5K, runsignup.com, and you can search Autism Breakthrough. Please support that if you can. Um, it's a little bit different this year, but we want to make sure that we continue to support um, what Breakthrough is doing and the community of adults with autism um, that we support in this area. And if you happen to post your walk, your run, or even the emails that we send, if you could hashtag 21 for 21 or hashtag autism breakthrough. We would definitely appreciate that. Um, Be sure to connect with Kelly. Um, She has a consultation request form on her website. Um, There's a link to that in our email and a link to a few other resources that talk about spelling to communicate um, therapies. And it's really cool um, to see that and to see the success stories that are on there. And to hear from the people um, who have gone through this therapy and had a whole world open up to them um, just because they could communicate um, and people could understand the way that they communicated. So it's been amazing. Uh, And grab someone to join you. Reach out, um, do your part as an advocate, and have some fun. Thank you all so much. Bye-bye. Wow.